Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information on Praise Chapel Christian Fellowship and how to get connected, follow us on Instagram at CF. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm going to piggyback this morning, folks, off last week. Last week, uh, we started the year with a series on vision. Amen. And so uh, we're going to just kind of, I'm going to kind of just start this message off this morning by just kind of recapping so you guys are refreshed with what we talked about last week and then go in to week number two here this morning. But we talked about vision, right? And we talked it out of Nehemiah chapter one. And the main verse that we kind of focused on there was Nehemiah chapter one, verse four, where the scripture says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And so we talked about how Vision begins with a burden, right? We talked about that. Vision begins with a burden, a concern. Uh, We talked about how Nehemiah was concerned for the things that uh, God was concerned with. We talked about how Nehemiah's heart was broken, uh, and he wept over the things that broke God's heart, right? And we challenged it. It's a good question to ask. You know, does our heart break over the very things that break God's heart? Uh, We talked about how in the tension of Nehemiah wrestling with what was uh, with what was and what could be a vision was born. A God and we, uh, we as I said, a God-given vision begins with burden. Vision is birth when men and women, when we get together and are concerned about the things that God is concerned about. We talked about how the Scripture talked about how Nehemiah prayed and he confessed uh, the sins of Israel, confessed the sins of himself and just and just made it right how God's heart is to bring people back to them. We talked about that. We talked about how not everyone uh, will share your concern or your burden. We talked about how some people will share that concern but do nothing about it. We talked about how God often gives a burden before he gives a solution. And so in a a nutshell, uh, we kind of began with Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, and we talked about how Nehemiah, man, uh, you know, God, uh, he had a burden to rebuild the wall. He had a burden to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and and, and it started with a burden in his heart, and he was burdened for the things that burdened God. His heart broke for the things that broke God's heart. And so here we're going to kind of, I'm going to catapult and kind of piggyback off that from last week. And, and I heard somebody say this, Jonathan Swift, to be exact. He says, vision is the art of seeing things invisible. Vision is the art of seeing things invisible. Nehemiah, when Nehemiah heard about the condition of Jerusalem, there was not one thing he could do to really remedy the situation. How many's ever been in that place where you, you kind of see something that needs to be done, but you're not really in a position to do anything about it or to make sure that it gets done, but yet you see that it needs to get done. And so Nehemiah was in a position, in the, and so the Bible tells us that for four months, between hearing about the condition of the walls and finally being able to do something about it, that this was not a time of doing nothing for Nehemiah. It was not a time to just sit back and relax. It was not a time to just kind of wait on God because what happens, folks, we have the tendency to pray about things or to feel burdened for things or God be stirring something into our life. We have the tendency when we wait on God, we wait on God and absolutely do nothing. 
That's what we do sometimes. We say, well, I'm just waiting to hear from God. It's almost like we can pray and pray and pray, and we're expecting God to just pop his head out of the clouds and, and, and do something immediately about it. And so oftentimes what happens between the time the burden comes, because uh, oftentimes we've all been burdened about something, but I think the great challenge uh, for the burden is how to keep that burden alive. And so the Bible tells us that for four months, amen, that it was a very productive time for Nehemiah, even though things were not really getting done or the way he envisioned them to be. And so for four months, he, he, he between hearing about the condition of the wall and finally being able to do something about the wall, it was a productive time for Nehemiah. And he used this time to prepare for the day when God would release him to pursue the vision. Here, this is very important, folks, because remember, last week we talked about God has a vision for your life. He has a vision, amen, that when you were saved, you were saved for a purpose. And so when, God, when Nehemiah sensed the burden of the wall and God began to birth a vision, the first thing that Nehemiah did, and the scripture tells us that he did, is he prayed. He sought God. He went after God. He took it seriously, amen. Uh, and this is a very important factor, amen, because let me tell you something, we're in the beginning of the year, and I'm sure none of us, amen, want to be in the same place you are now, uh, now at the end of the year. How many know we want to grow, we want to progress, we want to be all that God has called us to be? And so the first thing that Nehemiah did was he prayed. And, and prayer, folks, is critical to vision development, and here's why. Let me tell you why prayer, prayer is so important, folks, and you got to learn to pray, amen, uh, prayer is a powerful thing. Prayer keeps us looking. Think about it. Prayer keeps us looking. Prayer keeps the burden fresh. Now it's not just a dream, but you're taking this God-given vision that God has birthed in your heart, and you're taking it before the Lord, and so it keeps the burden fresh, and prayer keeps our eyes and hearts in an expectant mode. Now when you pray, you are praying with an expectancy that, you know what, man, God is going to do something here. When's he going to do it? How is he going to do it? How is it going to all take place? That's up to God. But you know what? When you are constantly in prayer about the very thing that burdens your heart, amen, and God turns that burden into a vision, amen, all of a sudden, amen, your prayers, amen, uh, they're not orderless to God, but now you're praying with a sense of expectancy. You're praying, I, I expect God to make this happen. I'm, I, I can see it happening. Now, when God wants to do it, he's going to do it. Amen. But now you're praying, amen. It keeps your eyes, your hearts in an expectant mode. See, see, folks, prayer almost ensures we won't miss opportunities God brings our way. Nehemiah prayed for two things in the reference to this vision. Amen. I want you to focus on this because this helps me and I know it'll help you. Amen. As you're starting this year on how to pray for certain areas in your life and what God is doing in your life. Uh, the thing that I, that, that I love so much about Nehemiah's prayer is in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11. Listen to what it says. It says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy, or some translations will say compassion, in the sight of this man. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Nehemiah's prayer 
was not an order list. God, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Take care of this. I need you to do this. Nehemiah prayed for what? He prayed for an opportunity. I want you to think about it. Nehemiah prayed for an opportunity. Nehemiah wanted an opportunity to share his vision with the king. The Bible says, and give success to the servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Success is what? Success is casting his vision to the one man who stood between him and his dream. So he was praying for this opportunity to take place. More often than not, we spend our time praying for miracles. We spend our time praying for salvations. We spend our time, and these are not bad things. These are not negative things. These are things that should take place. But the reality is, one thing that I begin to switch my prayer around in certain areas of my life, I said, Lord, I need to, I begin to pray less for what I want you to do and pray for the opportunity that God would open doors in my life and that I'm prepared for those doors to open when they open. And so you might be praying this morning for an unsaved husband. You might be praying this morning, amen, for an unsaved family member. You might be praying, amen, for a job, a new job, a better raise, something like that. And you're praying, God, do this, God, do that. Well, maybe you need to begin to pray, Lord, I pray that you would open this opportunity to me. And that when the opportunity opens, I will know what to do with that particular opportunity. Right? It is more appropriate to pray for opportunities. As parents in this place, if you're a parent in this place, we have vision for our children, right? Instead of simply praying that they become men and women of character, maybe we ought to pray, Lord, that you would have opportunities to build the character in their lives. That you would be given these opportunities. You have a vision for unbelieving friends and family, amen? And so we need to pray, Lord, open doors the, uh, and show me how I'm to share my faith with them. Show me how I'm to witness to them. There's this prayer. You may be having somebody at a job that God has put in your heart, amen, and all of a sudden, amen, you, you, you felt the tug, you felt the burden, and so you're praying for them. You're praying, God, save them, save them, save them. That's our natural Christian prayer. God, get a hold of them. Do something in their heart. Well, maybe you need to begin to pray, Lord, open an opportunity for me to share my faith at the right appropriate time where you can get in there and touch their life. Opportunity. See, if you pray for an opportunity, <clears throat> more than likely you will recognize it when God brings it along. Are you following me so far? See, Nehemiah, folks, he never prayed for God to rebuild the wall. What he prays is for an opportunity to rebuild it himself. Did you hear that? He never, it would have been easy, God rebuild the wall, because that's, that's kind of what we do sometimes, right? We, we walk around and we want God to do all the work. God, do this. God, do that. But he prayed, Lord, give me, give me an opportunity to rebuild the wall. There's a difference, I heard somebody write this, uh, between dreamers and visionaries. Dreamers dream about things being different. Visionaries envision themselves making a difference. Dreamers think about how nice it would be for something to be done. Visionaries look for an opportunity to do something. There's a difference. See, Nehemiah was looking for an opportunity 
He wasn't looking at, you know, he, he had burden about the wall. He had burden, but his, his heart wasn't like, oh, man, I have a burden for the, uh, the wall. And God, I just expect you to do this. You do it all. No, Nehemiah was looking for an opportunity to work alongside God. He was like, man, I need to, you know, you know, create an opportunity, God. I'm your man, man. I can make this happen. Amen. Now open an opportunity for me to rebuild the wall. And he says in the scripture, can you give success to your servant today and grant him mercy, compassion in the sight of this man? Because another thing that Nehemiah prayed for is he prayed for favor. How many like some favor in this place? Come on, how many, how many want the favor of God to shower upon you? I like this, man. He, yeah, uh, Nehemiah holds no punches. He said, man, I pray for favor. You know what mercy in the scripture, it means compassion. Uh, you know, and in fact, uh, you, you understand this when you get into Nehemiah chapter 2 and you begin to read the second chapter because the second verse in the second chapter, the Bible says in Nehemiah 2, 2, and the king said to me, why is your face sad seeing that you are sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. So think about this for a moment, folks. If God can sway this this king, this king Artaxerxes, amen, probably pronounced it wrong, just butchered his name, amen, but anybody with a name like that deserves to get butchered, uh, but, 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 but think about this, amen, 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 let, let me just say something, if you have like long names that just kind of go on forever, amen, uh, around here you will get a nickname, praise God, amen, I'm, 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 the, I'm the king of nicknames, the king of nicknames, right Carlos, you just call him Big C right there, all right, amen, but he's on the keto so pretty soon he's going to be little C, but anyway, right now he's Big C, praise Lord, amen. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> That's right. Think about this. If, if God can sway this king to finance the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem, he can certainly change the heart of those who stand between you and the vision that God has given you. You hear that? If he can sway this king, this is what Nehemiah was praying for. It was like, man, Lord, Lord show me. And, and Nehemiah is shaking in his boots just dealing with this king. See, prayer, folks, takes us well beyond human possibilities. That's what it does. It takes us beyond human possibilities. Think about, remember the story in Luke with Simeon, chapter 2, verse 25 in Luke, where the Bible says at that time, there was, there was a man named Simeon living in Jerusalem. He was good, God-fearing man and was waiting for Israel to be saved. The Holy Spirit was with him. The Hebrew word here, often translated in waiting in Luke 2.25, means expectant. That means he was an expectant man. The message uh, translation words it this way. Simeon lived in the, in the prayerfully expectancy of help for Israel. Amen. Here's a man that, that wasn't going anywhere. Amen. His prayers were just fully. Amen. He was waiting, expectant. Amen. Uh, for God to do something. Romans 12.12 12 says... 
Let your hope keep you joyful. Be patient in your troubles and pray at all times. And so here's, here's Nehemiah, amen. He, you know, he's, he's burdened. Uh, God has birthed a vision in his life uh, to rebuild this, this wall, amen. And, 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 he's, and, and he's praying. He's expecting. He's doing everything that he knows to do because he knows, you know, when God opens this opportunity for this thing to happen, you know what? He won't have to look nowhere else because I'm here. I'm the man. I'm ready. I don't want to be at a place that I shouldn't be at when God comes looking. Because God will come looking. And he says, hey, I, I put that burden in your heart six months ago. I put, that, I put that urgency in your life two years ago. I put this in your life. Amen. And, and what have you been doing since that time to prepare yourself for the moment that I'm going to come knocking and I'm going to need you to fulfill, to, to, to run with this vision that I've given you. Because this is so important, because Nehemiah was a man that he not only prayed, but he planned. He planned. In other words, the Bible says that he had to convince the king to leave his service. He convinced the king for financial support. He had to get letters from the king to the governors in the surrounding areas asking them to provide a safe conduct along the way. He had to work out a deal with Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, to get enough lumber to build the city gates as well as a home. He had to ask the king for a title of governor of Judah. He had to organize and equip uh, inhabitants of Jerusalem. And, and then after all this, then he had to begin construction. So it wasn't like they just got to rebuilding this wall. Amen. There was all this stuff that Nehemiah had to do, amen, to get ready. So when God says now's the time, amen, he was prepared to do this. And so this year, folks, God has something special for each and every one of us, amen. But oftentimes it's in those waiting periods of life that we lose sight of the burden, we lose sight of the concern, we lose sight of the vision, we lose sight of everything that God has tried to speak into our life, amen, because we're, we're a people, amen, we have a hard time being patient, amen, and we just sit there doing nothing. Nehemiah spent his time praying and planning. Every year we come to the beginning of the year, new goals, new resolutions. Where do you want to be at this time next year? Let me ask yourself, amen, spiritually speaking, where do you see yourself this time next year? Is it just another year that goes by? You find yourself in the same place? No more knowledge of the word? No more... No, no stronger prayer life, no stronger devotion life, no stronger community life of the body of Christ, no stronger ministry. God is a reproductive God, and he reproduces everything that we are. So, uh, you know, the old saying, you know, we, you, you know we're, we're a strong discipleship church, amen. But uh, I was talking with a pastor friend the other day, and, uh, and, uh, and we're just conversating, having conversations. And, and so he just kind of threw something out. He said, oh, you know the old saying, amen, uh, you're not a disciple until you disciple. Right? I mean, I mean, these are these are. I mean, think about this with me, folks. Amen. Uh, we're, we're disciples of Christ. We're believers. 
In our scripture here, Nehemiah, he's burdened. He's got something to build, but he can't just sit around and do nothing and wait for God to just show up magically and say, okay, now's the time to go for it. But he didn't prepare and he didn't plan, amen? There has to be preparation. There has to be planning. There has to be stuff going on in your life. What are you doing right now to prepare yourself for the vision that God has for you? Nehemiah spent his time praying and planning. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 says, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Let me ask you something, folks. If the right opportunity came along, do you know what you would do? Or here's another one. If that person or family member you have been praying for were to ask you about your faith, do you know what you would say? See, opportunities apart from preparation result in missed opportunities. Why, why should God bring an opportunity your way if you're not in a position to take advantage of it? Because I have found that if you're not ready to take advantage of it, he'll give it to somebody else. Right? Pray for opportunities and plan as if you expect God to answer your prayers. It might look crazy to some people. What are you doing? Oh, well, I've been praying for this. Amen. It's not the time now, but I'm getting myself ready spiritually, everything that I need to do so that when the time comes, amen, I'm going to be ready to serve and do what God has called me to do. The text again, what does it say? Well, let, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayers of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. If you are, if you're, if you are where God wants you, fulfilling the responsibility as he has given you, guess what, folks? You are successful. See, a lot of people uh, don't understand the word success. So when, uh, when, when Nehemiah prays, give success to your servant today, he, he, you know, th th this thing has a, has a huge meaning here. In other words, you may not be reaping the rewards. At that moment in time, Nehemiah was far from reaping the rewards of success. But success was not the be reaping the rewards. Success was doing what God had him doing. And so oftentimes we confuse that. We're like, well, you know, we always look at people like, well, if, if they're at the end of the road, if they're, if they're all the benefits, well, that guy's successful, you know, he has a big church, or that guy's successful, he has a, a good ministry, or he has a good business, or he has a good family. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. Amen. Let me tell you, success didn't start there. Success to the man that has the large church started when he said yes to God. And then there was mile markers, amen, to get to the place that God was given to. Because let me tell you, that took a lot of faithfulness to get to that place. Right? Success is remaining faithful to the process God has laid out for you. Are you capturing this? Success is not the, the raise or promotion or recognition or Christian home, our, our wonderful children, and those are all great things. But success, folks, is staying faithful to the process that contributed to these things becoming a reality. Nehemiah was successful the day he embraced the vision that God laid on his heart. Why? Because he was faithful to what God had called him to do on that particular day. You hear me? 
Nehemiah was successful before reaping the rewards of success because he was doing all that he knew to do. See, folks, every day you're faithful where you are with what you have is a successful day. It's getting, yeah, that's right. It's, the, the, the spirit is moving so much the lights are, are tripping right now, dude. It's all like, dude, that's going on my social media today, dude. I, I'm saying, hey, the sermon was so on point, the lights started flickering and started getting all, you know. Listen to me, folks. Reel it in. Reel it in. Reel it in. If you measure your success by whether or not your vision has materialized, you are a candidate for discouragement. Right? We must see success for what it is, faithfulness to the process. Example, to focus on what's around you diminishes your ability to focus on what's before you. Right? So I got flashy lights? Now, you're going to make me start wrapping up in here, and, and then we're going to be on an episode called Church Gone Wild. <laughs> you know? That's right. I know something's going on when Sister Marie gets her phone out. Amen. Praise the Lord. Have you ever felt this way, folks, that the enemy ever lied to you and said, oh, you're not going to rebuild anything? Uh, you know what? Your husband's not going to get saved. Your spouse is never going to come to church. You're never going to have the resources to do that. Your kids are too far gone. You'll never have a marriage like that. Nobody's going to listen to you. You ever, you ever been there, folks? You ever, you ever been there where it's like, man, you know, the enemy starts, start, start, starts working? And, and so let me tell you something. What happens is many visions die in the time between the what and the how. Many visions die between the time of the what and the how. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1 tells us one day four months later when Emperor uh, Artax was dining. I took the wine to him. He had never seen me look sad before. Uh, I think, think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah, if he did not stay the course, if he, if he would have allowed discouragement, if he would have just got, not got his mind right, amen, that, what, what would have happened to the wall? It wouldn't have got rebuilt uh, the way God intended it for it to get rebuilt. Uh, but he had to stay the course. Remember, remember Mary in the Bible, amen, Jesus' mother in Luke 134. The Bible said, Mary said to the angel, I am a virgin. How then can this be? And in Luke 137, the Bible says, for there is nothing that God cannot do. How, how, is, how is never a problem with God? Most of the time, God has something for you, and amen, and, and the thing is you focus so much on how this is going to happen. Don't we do that? We say, I don't know. How, 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 is, it, how is God going to do this? How is God going to open this door? How is God going to put this relationship together? How is God going to fix this? How is God going to do all this? And, and we focus so much on the how. So much on the how, but yet we pray, but we still focus on the how. 
I mean, I mean, did Moses have to come up with a way to get the Israelites out of Egypt across the Red Sea uh, uh, through the desert? Did he have to do that? Or uh, was it David's responsibility to try to figure out how to get Saul out of the way so he could ascend the throne of Israel? Or when Jesus told the disciples, feed the 5,000, were they responsible for figuring out how to make five loaves and two fish go that far? Were the disciples uh, responsible for figuring out how to get the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth? See, and we focus so much on the how. These were men and women who just did what they knew to do while never losing sight of the vision. God has birthed in their hearts, amen. And, and, and that's us today. This year, amen. I mean, there's going to be a lot of times you're going to be tempted. Man, God put something on, put, put on my heart, and you're going to be tempted to wonder, how is this going to happen, amen? That's not your responsibility. That's not your responsibility. We must focus on what he has called us to do, not on how he is going to pull it off. Your vision might sound crazy to some people. I've had a lot of big visions in my lifetime. And man, remember, Joseph was such a dreamer and visionary. And, and man, you know what? He shared his vision and practically got him killed. Amen. Amen. And, and so, I mean, uh, sometimes... Amen. God puts something on our hearts, and he just wants us to be faithful to that and say, do what I've told you to do. Do everything that you know that you can do, and let God do what only he can do. <laughs> Staying vision-focused keeps us God-focused. The vision is a reminder of our dependency. In other words, we remain aware that if God doesn't do something, there is no going forward. People with vision live with a sense of expectancy. They look for God to do something. Remember Peter? Everybody knows the story. Peter walking on water, the only person other than Jesus to be able to talk about this. Uh, you know, and he was, uh, he was fine. Peter was fine as long as he didn't worry about how he was going to walk on water. Right? Jesus said, come. As long as he was focused on the master, as long as he was focused on Jesus as he's walking on water, guess what? He's the only other person besides Jesus that could say, hey, man, I walked on water. But the minute, amen, that he got his focus was off, amen, the minute that he stopped, uh, 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 the minute that he started focusing on the how, because he probably started walking on water, it was like, oh, man, this is cool. And then all of a sudden his mind started going like, whoa, how am I doing this? How, how is this taking place here? And the minute he starts focusing on the how, all of a sudden he starts treading water. The minute he lost focus, he starts treading water. Nehemiah did what he can do. God did what he can do. That's the kicker here, folks. God's people do what you can do. God will do what only he can do. Think about it. If you're here today, God, let me tell you something. You have an unsaved husband. You have an unsaved spouse, unsaved family member. God knows how to reach your husband, wife, boss, neighbor. God already knows how to do that. Stop focusing on the how. God will worry about that. You do what you can do. God knows how to 
Protect your children. You're stressing out. We worry. God, all my kids, man, protect them. You know, remove those people from their life. Do this, do that. Amen. We stress as parents. God already knows how to do that. He already knows how he's going to do it. Your job is to be faithful to the very thing that God has told you to do. God knows how to, he knows how to help that child that's without a dad, without a mom, lost a family member, broken, hurting, struggling. We worry for that. God knows how to do that. He knows how to help that child. Our job is to do what only we can do. God knows how to get your business off the ground. you got a business. You're struggling, man. You're, you know that God gave you a vision to birth this business, and, and all of a sudden, man, you're struggling. You're barely making ends meet, barely paying rent. You don't know what's going to happen, amen. Let me tell you something. God knows how to get that business off the ground. You do what you can do. God knows how... You can pay for that school. You got college funds. You got all kinds of stuff going on, and, and it's a big how. You don't know how you're going to do it. You know God told you to do it, but you don't know how you're going to do it. But God knows how. God knows how to get that done, and God knows how to get you over that hurt. You got a past hurt in your life this morning. You're hurting bad. You're, you're struggling. Amen. Uh, you're, 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 trying to get, you're, you're having a hard time getting past your past. God knows how to get you off that hurt. But you also have a job to do. You have to do what only you can do. God knows how to put that marriage back together. There's no quitters in the kingdom of God. God knows how to take that marriage that is broken and hurting. Maybe, maybe felt betrayal. Felt hurt. God knows how to put that marriage back together. He knows the how. But you got to do what you know to do. God knows how to get that ministry started. You got a ministry birth in your heart this year. You say, man, I really want to, I want to do that, that, that group. I want to do that small group. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. God knows how to get all that going. He knows that. He knows the how. Your job is to prepare and plan so that when he comes knocking, you're ready to answer the call. He knows that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4 says, and I'll wrap it up. It says, then the king said to me, what are you requesting Nehemiah said, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Uh, uh, we learned a wonderful lesson from Nehemiah so far in this series, folks, is that he was a man that understood. He said, man, I got a burden. The burden is birth of vision, but I can't do anything without praying. I got a plan. I got to prepare myself, amen, for the very things that God has for my life. Because let me tell you some folks, let me say, God will come knocking, and I hope that you're prepared when he comes knocking because he's given you an allotted time to prepare yourself for the very work that God has for your life, amen. What a great example, folks. What a great example. You, know, you want to know how to do, do, get something done? Look at the life of Nehemiah. Pray before you start, pray as you go, 
Pray when you're between a rock and a hard place and pray about everything, amen. You put prayer into the mix of what's going on, God will take care of it, amen. He will meet your needs, amen. You will see God do wonderful things in your life in 2020. Give the Lord a fantastic hand clap, hallelujah. We hope you were blessed by this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends on Instagram. Remember to tag us at Praise Chapel CF. See you next time. Have a great week.